Welcome to episode 34 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like 100 brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. 
I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, friends, this is Melanie. I have a quick announcement before we begin. As you likely know, the re-release of the What When Wine Diet, which is called What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, is now available to pre-order on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. If you read the original book, this version is about 80% new content, 
and it has 50 amazing gluten-free recipes by celebrity chef Arian Resnick. But I have a special offer for listeners of our podcast. If you pre-order that book and send a picture of your receipt to preorder at ifpodcast.com, I'll send you a few fun things. First, I'll go ahead and send you the holiday recipes from the book. So that is a turkey with apple cranberry chutney, a root veggie mash, which is sort of like mashed potatoes without potatoes, a pumpkin pie, and a paleo pie crust recipe. And those are all just amazing. They also have wine pairings with them as well. You'll also get access to an online quiz to figure out your perfect IF approach. That'll be available starting November 13th. And then lastly, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a phone or a Skype call with me. So that'll be super fun, and I would love to talk to you. So yes, please pre-order that book and send a copy of your receipt to pre-order at ifpodcast.com. All right, thanks so much. Now enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 34 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And Jen, I guess when this episode airs, it will be actually the beginning of December, but how was your Thanksgiving that just happened? It was great. I had a great Thanksgiving, and you know, a lot of people talked about how they would handle Thanksgiving on the um, on the Facebook support groups, and you know, a lot of us just handled it like another day. Yep. <laughs> I did. I, you know, and it's, it's a big change from last year. Last year, I was still like in celebration mode, I guess, but now it's just like, well... You know, I want to fully enjoy my Thanksgiving meal, so I just waited till I got. We went to my sister's, waited till I got there, and it's really not when you do one meal a day. It's really not any different. I it mean, wasn't. It's no. different food, but right, right. So I just got there and fully enjoyed everything. I didn't want to spoil my appetite by like eating earlier. So exactly, <laughs> yeah. So I just went and ate and felt great, and everything was fine. How about you? What'd you do for Thanksgiving? It was good. Um, So funny story. So there were two different get-togethers. And for one get-together, we my family picked up a turkey from a catering place um, to bring to the the (laughs) get-together. And I'm so crazy. I called the restaurant and made them go look up and tell me every single ingredient in the turkey. (laughs) And um even at restaurant, like good, like smoked turkeys, local, you'd think it would be just, you know, turkey, but they inject turkeys with so much stuff. It's crazy. That is true. I remember when my boys were little and we had to really watch for the added ingredients because my son reacted to many different things. It is very, very difficult. It's crazy. Like I was on the phone with the, um, the woman at the restaurant, I feel bad. I came off as so crazy. I, I wanted to know first if it was just gluten-free. And she was like, it is gluten-free. And I was like, okay, can now can you tell me exactly what's in it? <laughs> and um, there was a lot in it. So I did not partake in that turkey. But at my other family get-together, my aunt, who's a, who is a chef actually, and she's super on board with the whole Whole Foods paleo thing. So she had a local organic amazing turkey and then she actually made me a gluten-free dressing made entirely of vegetables and I think like butter and eggs um, but it was really good so that was really appreciated oh well that sounds great so yep fun times even even turkey is hard yeah (laughs) I know like you'd think turkey would be the one safe thing but no 
No. No. Really? A lot of additives. They add, they add um, like gums and chemicals and then a lot of salt. Lots of salt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And spices. So. Well, I've been working so hard this week. I have set up an intermittent fasting product store. Did you see I that saw, on Facebook? I saw that. In, yeah. yeah. I haven't been to – is the site actually up? It's up. It's um, If you go to DelayDon'tDeny.com, it takes you to the store. You can't put an apostrophe. That is the only thing that bothers me about Delay Don't Deny is that it has an apostrophe, but you have to leave it out when you're going to the website. So it's just Delay Don't Deny with no apostrophe.com. We've got all sorts of coffee mugs and shirts. And Ooh, I'll have to go stock yeah. up. Oh, there you go. I'll have to go stock up. Um, well, the apostrophe thing always bothers me too for hashtags. When I want to do yeah. a hashtag that has an apostrophe, it's a struggle. It really is. I've had to get over it. Because, <laughs> you have to accept you know, it. <laughs> well, you know, my, my book has an apostrophe in it, so I just have to write it without the apostrophe, and I every time I'm like, ugh, but I do it. So <laughs> I guess Feast Without Fear still has the apostrophe because you include Delay Don't Deny in the subtitle, right? Well, I never hashtag it with the subtitle. Mm. Solves that problem. There you go. Yeah. So for authors, <laughs> don't put apostrophes in your titles. <laughs> Or you can't hashtag. Or it. you can't hashtag. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just have to leave it out. That's right. And feel <laughs> grammatically incorrect. <laughs> yeah, but it's been a lot of fun. I've had fun creating the products. Oh, I bet. Oh yeah, I will go stock up. Absolutely wonderful. And all all of my products are gluten free. Oh yay! Which is a joke because you can't eat them. I mean, I guess you could, but please. Oh don't. wait, oh wait. <laughs> They're that, not food. That obviously went over my head. Yeah, that's okay. It was a joke. <laughs> well, when you do start selling food, then <laughs> now I'm not going to sell food because you know, no food, no food no, from me. That's too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I cap it recipes in the book. That's it. Yeah, there you go. Although, watch me have like a food product line in in a few years. But I mean, you might. But you know, somebody asked me the other day. They're like, "Oh, are you going to do a cookbook for for your next project?" And I said, "No, because you can literally eat any food you want." <laughs> So no. <laughs> Grab any cookbook, use that one. It'll work. All right. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes, let's get started. We're thrilled to bring you Health IQ as the very first sponsor of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Health IQ is a life insurance agency rather than a broker, which uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people, like our intermittent fasting listeners. They can give our listeners exclusive rates, but you have to qualify by taking their online lifestyle quizzes based on everything from the metabolism to the paleo diet to, and I'm not making this up, people who like wearable weights like me. They personally guide you all throughout the life insurance process to make it easy and even fun. To see if you qualify, you can get your free quote today at healthiq.com fasting. Or you can mention the promo code FASTING when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Totally check them out. We think you'll love them. Okie dokie. So to start things off, we have a listener feedback email. And so whenever we get emails from listeners with uh, reports and feedback, we like to just include them. I actually forgot about this email for quite a while. And then I randomly saw it and I was like, oh, that slipped through. So... We will we'll read it now. So this email comes from Betty, and the subject is My Questions Answered. And Betty says, 
Hi, ladies. I am thrilled that you answered my questions. And so side note, we actually answered Betty's question way back in July. And she asked uh, she asked the question about 23andMe, if you remember, Jen, when we talked about the genetic testing. Yeah, that's that's the one. I remember that one. I do too. I do too. Yes, I think I, I, I wonder if I remember all the questions. I probably do. Like if, if, if somebody, if we mention one, I probably do remember it. Probably so. Yeah. Because we, we prepped so much for it and then talk about it so much. Back to Betty's email. She says, I just finished Delay Don't Deny and I've begun doing the daily fast. Water and black coffee only with a window of two hours. Eating small amounts of mostly no grains and some protein and maybe some kind of thing that I have previously denied myself or felt guilty over. Just like Jen, I am a lifelong dieter who has gone at this problem scientifically and responsibly, and I have at times been super successful at weight loss down into the 130s, and each time, for a myriad of reasons, the weight returned. I read volumes of books, and for the first time, I feel like IF is a sustainable, healthy, affordable, and reasonable pattern to follow to get healthy and stay healthy. Once you become fat adapted or a fat burner, you can go on and on without even thinking about eating. That is so true. I'm just throwing that in there. (laughs) Then when you do open your window, I, if you are paying attention to satiety, you will find that you get satiated fairly quickly. I refer to it as having altered my hormonal brew. I like that. I have listened attentively to all of your podcasts now. I have listened to Delay, Don't Deny. Did you know that Alexa will now read your Kindle books to you? This is wonderful if a particular book is not on Audible. I did not know that. Did you know that, Jen? Do you have an Alexa, Jen? Well, I don't have an Alexa, but I do have a Kindle. But somebody I know told me that they um, they had their book read to them on their Kindle, and then they thought I was a man because the voice they used was a male voice, and then they were like super surprised that I was a woman. That is one of my pet peeves on Audible when they have a different gender narrate the book because then right. you just picture yeah. the wrong gender of the person yep. reading it. Um, I do have an Alexa, but I changed it. You can call it computer in honor of Star Trek. Like it, oh, that's fine. Oh, I just cut said computer and it's responding. Connecting to the internet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> do you hear that? Yeah. My bad. Don't, don't say computer. Okay. Back to, back to Betty's email. Uh, she says, I just ordered Jen's new book and Melanie's old book. I wonder if she ordered my old book or the new version of my old book. I don't know. And we'll set Alexa on the read app tonight. My point in all this blabbering is that I find you both inspirational, rational, knowledgeable, ultra researched, and without a monetary agenda, which makes listening to you a real pleasure and a learning experience. Thank you. That was a lot of compliments. I just want to say thank you and that I trust you both enough to turn myself over and initiate your recommendations. P.S. I would give you outstanding comments on iTunes, but I have never come across the area to give comments. Happy IF. And I will address that last part because we get that e- we, people email us about that a lot about how to leave a review. So if you go to iTunes and then you click on customer reviews, there's a little button that says write a review. But I'm guessing it must come up differently for different people because people really struggle finding it. Yeah. I don't know. Why? Well, I've never tried to leave a review. I don't know. You should leave so. a review of us. <laughs> <laughs> I love us. Yes. 
I wanted to speak to um, to Betty's last comment, how she said that she trusts us because we don't have a monetary agenda. And I think that that's, you know, we don't. We're not, um, we, we just are, like, you know, for me, I'm a teacher. And so really I started, you know, just blabbing about my lifestyle to anybody that would listen. You know, my husband's always like, stop telling everybody everything about your life, you know, because I just do. And so... Yeah, and so that's what happened, and then I was just telling people, and but I would try to send them to a book, and I'd be like, well, read this one, but ignore the part that says this because I, blah, 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 or here's another book, but you know, read this part, but not that part. So that's actually why I wrote my book, because I wanted to have a book with all of my tips in it that I could just say, hey, read this. Yeah, same here. I wrote my book mostly because I was sort of exhausted of trying to explain everything concisely without a resource right I wanted to just have a resource so I could be like actually just read this yeah <laughs> this is why <laughs> yeah um yes all right shall we jump into the listener questions yes let's go to the first one and this one is from Chrissy and the subject is your last meal before a fast and Chrissy says hello Jen and Melanie I love your podcast I've been doing IF since last summer And I love the way that I feel. Better skin, clearer mind. I often hear that positive effects of fasting start taking place around the 15 to 16 hour mark. I was wondering if those effects could occur sooner or later depending on what you you eat for your last meal. It seems that those effects would occur sooner if you ate soup or salad for dinner versus a hamburger and fries. I look forward to your insight. Thank you. Yes. So I love this question. We've actually talked about this question casually in passing in other questions, but it's never been directly asked. So thank you, Chrissy. Wonderful question. And a very true point to consider. Um, I definitely think the last thing that you ate is going to affect how long it takes you to enter the post-absorptive state. I was Googling the actual like terminology for it. So for example, if you just ate a salad for your dinner, which please don't do that. You're obviously probably going to enter the fastest state sooner than if you ate something more hearty. Um, so, but there's so many factors that are involved, digestibility, certain foods for certain people are digested sooner rather than later. Um, also the carb count of your meal might affect things. So how much, how much you top off your glycogen stores. So Yes, is the short answer. Um, That's why we just kind of round though, because in general, I feel like most people with intermittent fasting, especially with one meal a day, they sort of gravitate towards after a while, a similar meal composition that fills them up. And so I think for most people, they are probably entering the fasted state around the same time, just in general. But um, what are your thoughts, Jen? Well, I think I think that you explained it well that it just depends on so many factors. And you know, you people ask this question a lot. They're like, "Okay, so when exactly, you know, will I, for example, enter ketosis?" And you know, they want a pat answer like it's going to be exactly 12 hours after. No, but there isn't because it depends on so many things. And yes, it depends on the composition of your last meal. It even depends on what you did after you ate your meal. You know, did you run a marathon? Did you go to sleep? You know, 
so many things affect what your body is doing at any given time. You know, there are a lot of graphs floating around out there that have like an average kind of a thing. And so they'll show the 15, 16 hour mark that you're really, you know, getting into good fast burning. So that's probably average. But just keep in mind that, you know, for everything that's average, we've got things that happen on either end, you know, far away from that. And it just depends on a lot of factors. Exactly. And for example, if you're following a super ketogenic diet, then you're going to be almost perpetually in ketosis. I mean, not maybe not 24-7, but um, that would be a thing as well. And I also want to add that, you know, we're not suggesting that you should eat really lightly in order to get into um, into the state faster. And Melanie actually said that when she said, don't just eat a little salad. But the key is that you're eating to your... Um, to your your satiety signals every day. Like you stop when you're satisfied. You don't want to stop and still be hungry because that's a bad sign too. You don't want to do that. If you're like constantly never satisfied and you're always a little hungry, that's a sign that your body's not going to be happy. So don't say, hey, I'm going to eat less every single day because I want to get into the benefits faster. And, you know, that actually will backfire if you over-restrict long-term. You'll start, you know, getting the, the signal like, hey, I need to binge. I need to eat a lot. You know, that's that's something to pay attention to. Uh, if your body is not happy, it will let you know. Yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful point to bring up. We don't want to be perpetually fasted. It, it, and also it relates to something we've talked about before with insulin. People get this idea that they should never release insulin, which right. that would just – no, people. You, <laughs> you want insulin when you eat. It's a very good thing. Otherwise, you're going to uh, – it helps you assimilate your nutrition. So it's not to be feared. It's right. just we don't want it all the time is the thing. The key is intermittent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, really, most things are like that. You know, you don't want to be in just the steady state. You you have periods of high, whatever it is, and periods of low, whatever it is. So, yep. All righty. Shall we go to our next question? Yes. So this question comes from Matt, and the subject is white kidney bean extract. And Matt says, hi from England. Now I feel like I should do this in an accent. No. (laughs) (laughs) Like Jen, I am a teacher just reaching the new school year. For years, I have struggled with weight loss. My best effort was 30 pounds lost, but this soon went straight back on and more besides. At the end of 2016, I hit upon the obesity code and Jason Bung's work and tuned in to the fact that my late dinners and early breakfast might have led to a degree of insulin resistance. (laughs) Speaking of insulin, possibly possibly pre-diabetes and a difficulty in shedding weight. My granddad died of diabetes complications back in 82, so so I realized I should do something. I started IF gradually and built up, and I now fast for 18 to 20 hours Monday to Friday whilst at work and generally 16 hours at the weekends. I find 24-hour fast very easy, especially when busy, drinking only black coffee or water. Anything else revs up hunger. I even did a 10-mile hike with students in May towards the end of a 24-hour fast and felt just fine. Much confusion from colleagues when they stopped for lunch and I just watched. I've made it through both the Easter break and summer holiday with no significant weight gain. So that dates us, Jen. (laughs) Yeah. Even though my fasting has been less rigorous. 
20 pounds down so far and hoping for great things when we go back to work in early September. Anyhow, I'm not low carb. I suppose you could call me carb aware, but I do have bread, etc. and many meals. However, when I know there is a significant carb element to meals, I use a white bean extract based carb blocker. These supposedly neutralize the action of amylase in the small intestine, reducing the amount of complex carbs that are broken into simple sugars. The complex carbs pass through the system as fiber. Not to go into too much detail, but there is evidence that this happens. Do you have any feelings on this? I've had no negative side effects and may have reduced the carb element of my diet to positive effects alongside fasting. Your thoughts would be welcome. Keep up the good work. Did you ever take this supplement, Jen? Because I definitely did. (laughs) No, I didn't take it. Which actually is surprising because you would. Think I know. I, I thought. I thought you would it. have. I've, I, I've had everything, but you know, I never took this one. And so, here's what's funny. My first thought is just, and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts about this one. But my very first thought on anything like this is like, no, don't, no, this sounds ridiculous. But I did some research about it, and there may actually be some some truth behind this. What do you think? This is so funny. Your response just now was exactly if somebody had asked me, what is Jen going to say? And what, it's exactly what you just said. <laughs> well, well, yay. <laughs> so um, I actually did find a study. Now it's from 2004. And you have to be careful. You know, I, studies can be misleading. But this was 50 people. And they, it was double blind, placebo controlled. And they did find that... Um, the people who were taking this did lose a little bit more weight than the people who were not. So, you know, when you read about how it is supposed to work, whether it um, inhibits the absorption or digestion of these carbohydrates in your body, you know, knowing what we know about the gut microbiome, yeah, you know, anything that's going to make something go straight through you is is likely to have a positive effect on your weight loss. You know, think about that um, – what was that fake fat that they, they did? Oh, for a, it was a Lestra. Yeah. And yeah. that would like, I never tried that either. Me neither. <laughs> I did people not try would, that. You know, that's the one, if anyone's not familiar with it, people would take it and then they would like, it was have, basically um, just not absorbable, right? You had to like take extra pants with you because you were probably going to need them. Oh man. oh man. <laughs> so, but people lost weight because this, the fat would like go right through you. So there could be something to this. So what do you think, Melanie? All right. So I as well did quite a bit of research into the supplement. And I'd like to start by just discussing really briefly how carbohydrates are uh, broken down and processed by the body because I think listeners would probably find that interesting because then you can understand how the supplement actually works. So basically, when we eat carbohydrates, they have to be broken down into their very simple form of sugar, which is um, monosaccharides. And that first starts in the mouth. And going back to the whole genetic thing that we talked about in the beginning with like 23andMe and everything. So we have a carb breaker downer (laughs) called amylase in our spit, actually. And that begins the digestion process for carbohydrates, which begins in the mouth. And uh, that's actually determined by genetics. Certain people have more amylase than others. So people who do really well with carbs, there's a good chance that genetically they produce more amylase in their mouth. Um, So Jen, I bet you probably have good amylase production. Do you know? 
I don't know about my amylase, but I am going to bet I have a great deal of it. You probably do. (laughs) And I feel like I probably don't. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So in any case, that actually only accounts for, do you know what percent happens in your mouth? I thought this was interesting. Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't think it would be much. 5%. Yeah. I was going to guess 5. I was going to guess 5. Yeah. Always go with our first inclination. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so we break down about 5% in our mouth and then obviously we swallow the food and that all stops because our stomach is a very acidic environment and um, that destroys the amylase activity. But then when the food gets to our intestines, that's where the acidity is actually neutralized and we begin breaking down those carbohydrates again and we get more amylase, but this time it's in our intestines, not in our mouth. And that breaks down the carbohydrates first into something called oligosaccharides and then finally into monosaccharides. So yay, it is quite a process. The way that white kidney bean extract or these carb blockers work is they basically inhibit that whole process in the intestine. And it's actually because for like white kidney beans specifically, it's a natural plant compound protection mechanism thing. So yeah, so that's why they actually do work because they do quite literally stop digestion of the carbohydrate, which then passes into your large intestine. So my thoughts on this, if I have so many thoughts. Oh my goodness. Um, If you have a wonderfully functioning digestive process and you're not made uncomfortable by the idea of halting your natural digestive state, it is actually possible that blocking this whole action could lead to beneficial fermentable carbohydrates in your large intestine Um, to support gut bacteria. So from a health perspective, there could be some good in it. They found other benefits as well, such as decreased triglycerides and actually reduced blood sugar over, over time. That said, I am very strongly against this uh, supplement. Um, Like I said, I did take this back in my try all the diet pills days. The brand I took was called phase two. And this was in my super low carb where I was really scared of carbs days. And I took it whenever I thought I was taking in too many carbs. I also didn't have digestive problems back then. So I didn't really, it didn't cause any GI distress. Um, But just from a philosophy perspective, and this is just me personally, do what you want to do, but this is just me. I think what we ultimately want when we eat is good digestion, especially struggling with digestive problems. I think what we should aim for is healthy digestion, kind of like the whole, I've been reading a lot about Chinese medicine and they're all about good digestion. Like they're very against, for example, like not against, but they they recommend minimizing, for example, like colder foods and even like raw fruits and vegetables because they can hinder digestion. So I think digestion is what we want. So taking something which inhibits that process makes me personally uncomfortable. I also know now if I took this, I would probably just blow up like a balloon. And I also think the reasoning for why you're taking it is important So maybe you're just taking it for weight loss, Um, but if you're taking it because you think you react badly to eating something and so you're trying to mitigate that, 
I would just rather you not eat the thing that you're trying to avoid rather than trying to block the negative effects. Because there's a reason that your body's reacting the way it's reacting. So I think you should embrace that and take what you can learn from that rather than try to stop that response. But I don't know. The takeaway is it does work. And I mean, if it works for you, use it. I'm, but I'm not going to put a link to it on <laughs> no. <laughs> on, um, on our website. Yeah, I think that's a great analysis because... You know, the science of it, yeah, there's something to it, but also Alestra, same thing there. Like like, like I mentioned, yeah, it's going to block the fat, but it's not ideal for your body. So um, I, I actually agree with you. That makes total sense. You, you don't want to stop. And I also started to think how would this affect, you know, what's happening in your large intestine with your, your gut bacteria? Because they also do a lot of the breaking down, not just you. And your enzymes, but your your gut fellas, they're down there breaking stuff down too. I don't know though if this if it reaches the large intestine, you know? Like it might just do its active action, does it? Well, it says it's supposed to work in the small intestine, but then the stuff's still gonna get to your large intestine where where they they continue to work on it, you know. The large intestine is still working hard for you. But we're not <laughs> I guess in the large intestine we're not breaking down you know, like we're not secreting amylase. No, we're not. But but your your gut bacteria are still. I don't know. May, maybe maybe they're not able to to do anything more with it after it gets. I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. It's a very interesting question though, because and that's one reason I really wanted to include it. Because at first <laughs> you're like no, but then you're like oh well actually maybe. But for me, I'm still no. Yeah, I would not ever take anything like that now. And, you know, like it would kill like, me yeah. now. It would, I, I just know I would just anything that I, my, my goal now when I eat is it's like, how can I maximize digestibility of every carbohydrate I eat? So taking something that inhibits the digestion, yeah. digestion of carbohydrates, I'm like, no, no. Yeah. That makes sense. But that's just me. Yeah. I get it. All right. Shall we jump into our next question? Yes. And we actually have two that are um, similar, so I'm going to read them both together. And the first one is from Mark, and the subject is brain fog. And Mark says, hello, I started IF, and I'm struggling with brain fog. I think that's what it's called. Basically, some afternoons I'm at work, and I feel like a simple task seems overwhelmingly difficult. I go and eat lunch, and I feel better. When this happens, I try to make my lunch my one meal for the day. I usually come home from work, take a yoga class, and by 8 p.m., I'm really hungry again. I have been fasting clean, but I'm wondering if it's a blood sugar issue. I'm not diabetic. Any ideas about why this is happening? Also, should I eat when I feel this or just try to ride it out? I also want to comment that you ladies do a fantastic job sharing facts and research data combined with your personal stories and opinions. I greatly enjoy your podcast and are looking forward to reading your upcoming books. All the best, Mark. And the other is from Melanie. Yay! Not our Melanie. (laughs) Different different Melanie. And her subject is also brain fog. And she says, love the podcast. Recently started IF and still trying to adapt and work out what works best for me. I have learned a lot listening to the podcast as well as from Facebook groups. My question is, what do you recommend for brain fog? My first week on IF, I did one meal a day, clean fast, and had about a five-hour feasting window. 
By the end of day seven, I could no longer concentrate to the point it was affecting my job and had to slack off. Now I'm doing a lesser fasting window. I heard that it could be from low electrolytes. Is this a possibility? And what suggestions, if any, could you provide? I felt better in many other ways doing the longer fast, but I have to be able to concentrate at work. Please help. Alrighty, so great questions about brain fog. I'll go ahead and tell my brain fog history, and then you can tell yours if you like, Jen. I, I don't really, appropriately enough, I don't really remember pre-dietary change. Like back when I was eating the standard American diet, before intermittent fasting, before everything, I'm assuming I had brain fog all the time. I mean, that was a long time ago. That was probably like eight years ago. Um but then when I started, when I went low carb and then when I started intermittent fasting, that's when I started experience, that's when I started experiencing epic brain concentration, like the clarity, the, just the on point, that amazing in the zone brain feeling. And then <laughs> when I uh, moved into my mold infested apartment post-graduation and got digestive problems and all the stuff brain fog became a thing again which was not fun um so i've done a lot of research on brain fog and there are a lot of potential reasons for it did how about you jen just as far as your personal experience just as far as your personal experience with brain fog well mine had more to do with i think blood sugar issues and ups and downs and I kept it constantly fueled with all those lattes. Oh, I hear you. Caffeine will break through but I, brain fog pretty well. Or can. I actually, I, I know you're going to talk about, about food, but for both of these people, both Mark and Melanie, Mark said he just started IF, and Melanie also said her first, she's like, you know, after day seven, I think for both of them, they just haven't gotten to ketosis yet. Is that what you're going to say? Okay. Yeah, my my first point – well, my first point is is blood sugar. Um, Yeah, I think – yeah, because they are, they are both in the early stages, and that can definitely be a thing. If they're switching between fueling sources and um, – Like their body, they're still trying to get through their, their glycogen stores if they're new like this. So, you know, the at first – you know, you're going through it, you're going through it. Then when you start getting down towards the bottom of your glycogen stores, your body doesn't really quite know yet how to tap into fat burning, like their fat burning enzymes your body has to de develop. And so your body is sluggish and it can feel like that's the, that's the brain fog I'm thinking about. And I think I never hardly made it through there. That's why I kept quitting intermittent fasting before I gave it time to to work like for the brain which uses so much energy i forget the percentage it's of the amount of energy that it uses i don't know i should have looked that up it's a huge huge percent of our daily like metabolic rate um and for most people especially people who don't practice intermittent fasting the brain is running primarily on glucose so it's running on sugar all the time and so you need those constant refills to keep it going. And it does take a bit for the brain to adjust and start using supplemental ketones. The brain cannot directly use fat as fuel. It has to use ketones. And so those are, those are going to be generated from fat, from fasting. And that is it. There is an adaptation period there. So definitely, yeah. So, so to um, address the question of, for example, with Mark, he says, should I eat or should I just write it out? 
I say write it out. <laughs> That's what I, well, I, at the beginning when you're trying to adapt, it can be hard and it just depends. But if you constantly fuel it, you know, back up, then yeah, you just have to tough it out. And I find, um, so if that is the case and you do tough it out, doing things like, um, moving around actually really helps, at least for me personally, like getting everything flowing and, um, caffeine, for example, they're also, I don't, I know people have good experiences with, I, and I read some studies about it, like, like ginkgo biloba even. Did you ever take that? No. Then there are other supplements like paracetams. Have you ever taken paracetams? Have you ever done the neuro, the neurotropics? The, uh, no. Oh, that's a whole nother world. <laughs> I have not. No. Um, yeah, so it could definitely could be, especially in their beginning stages, blood sugar. But then beyond that, so like for I talked about my personal history, how I didn't have brain fog, and now when I started having like digestive problems and molds and all of that, I did start struggling with bits of brain fog. Once you're fat adapted, when it's not a blood sugar issue, you realize just how much brain fog is a telling sign of reacting to something either environmentally or in your like something that you ate. Um, because I could go from like searing clarity, my mind was on point and then literally feels like a fog rolls in for a second and then it clears away and it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, so there's so many things that it could be, unfortunately, which is why it's hard to address. It could be a sensitivity. So it could be, especially if you've been fasting for a while and you find you only and you're not really changing your environment, you're not really changing factors, but you find that some days you have brain fog, other days you don't. And if you're practicing, for example, like one meal a day, it could be something you're eating the night before. Um, it can take a little bit for sensitivities and reactions to show up. It's not always immediate. It might be, you might eat something and immediately get brain fog, but it could still be the next day. It could be things, for example, like if you have a, a fungal overgrowth or some sort of bacterial gut dysbiosis, those bacteria and those fungi, they can release toxins from what you eat as a byproduct of that or when they are hungry and they want sugar and so they release toxins. And a little test that you can do to find out if it is possibly either like bacteria or candida or an environmental toxin, which it can definitely be an environmental toxin as well, like mold or something in the air. Um, if you find that you get brain fog and then you down like a glass of a big glass of water with some activated charcoal in it, if your brain fog clears right away, which speaking from experience can happen, then I think that's um, personally a very telling sign that it's some sort of toxin circulating in your system rather than a blood sugar issue because that activated charcoal is not going to address your blood sugar levels. It's going to grab toxins that are circulating and possibly causing brain fog. So I think that's a really nice test. Um, it can also be thyroid related because the brain does use so much energy. If you have hypothyroidism, slowed metabolism, less energy, that can be a thing. It could also, I mean, it could be electrolytes as well, especially if you're ketogenic. I think people who are ketogenic find that a lot. So basically it can be a lot of things. I think environment is huge. I do personally, especially if you find that, um, you experience brain fog 
in certain places, maybe at your workplace or even at your apartment or something. I'm going to say it's not all in your head. It is all in your head, but um, it's in your head as a reaction to something. It could all be in your head as an actual definite reaction to some sort of environmental toxin. That was a lot. That was. And the only thing I would add back to, to what we said earlier, um, if you're still within your first three weeks of intermittent fasting, then I would just encourage you to consider that that's, it's part of the adaptation period because your body just hasn't transitioned efficiently and effectively yet into the fat burning. Because once those ketones reach your brain, you should feel that clear away unless you have some other issues like Melanie discussed. But give yourself a few weeks because really that, that is such an important part of it is getting, getting through to the ketones. And, you know, it takes, it takes some people longer and, you know, I've, I've heard of it taking a lot longer for some people. If you're severely insulin resistant, you know, it, it might take longer for you. So um, I have a chapter in Delay, Don't Deny about how to adapt to an eating window approach. And you know I'm not low carb, and so I think carbs are important for our gut health. But one way you can adapt if you're having trouble is you can – there, there's a diet that I did. Did you ever do the carbohydrate addicts plan, Melanie? It rings a bell. I did not do it. I don't think. Well, it, they were ahead of their time. It was um, Dr. Heller. They were, they're married. There are two of them. And the whole point of it was you ate low carb during the day. And then at night you had one meal. They called a reward meal with carbohydrates in it. And the funny part of it is that the, um, Rachel, the uh, the main author of the book, I think her husband's name's Richard, but Rachel actually lost a whole lot of weight, like over 100 pounds, I think, and she was doing intermittent fasting before it was a thing. She actually just had to fast for a um, for a medical procedure that got rescheduled till night, and so she didn't eat all day and just had black coffee and then ate like a giant meal after her medical procedure and then got up the next day and found she'd lost weight. And she's like, wait, how'd that happen? So she started doing that every single day and she started just eating one big meal a day every single night. And that's how she lost all of her weight. But they wrote this book in the nineties and I feel like maybe fasting might've been a taboo kind of a thing back then. So instead of saying, do what I did, eat one meal a day, she said, so to get the benefits for yourself, eat low carb all day long and then have one big reward meal and so they would have that one period of the day when your insulin would go up. I mean, she was still on the insulin train at the time, like we are, understanding that you need that low period of insulin. Um, but you were getting that with her plan through the low carb during the day. So I actually tried this plan myself, and I don't like having to fool around with low carb meals all the time. So um, really, that's when I had my, you know, I, I've talked before about how I went from keto that wasn't working for me right into intermittent fasting. But I had a little transition period in there where I was doing the carbohydrate addicts plan. And then I was like, all this, you know, low carb food is annoying. So I just went straight to intermittent fasting after that. So you can use this plan to help your body adapt. So start off, you know, with a low carb breakfast, a low carb lunch, and then have your um, your carbs at night. And then gradually you can start letting go of the low carb earlier meal, start, you know, drop the breakfast and then just eventually you're just having the low carb lunch and the regular dinner. And then eventually you drop the the low carb lunch as well. And you're just making it all the way to dinner where you're eating quote normally in whatever style you want to. So 
that is just a strategy that um, some people have found to be really successful rather than the whole jumping right in and trying to go all the way to um, to a late eating window because a lot of people have trouble with that and they just then they fail and they feel like they, they can't do intermittent fasting. So if you've read Delay, Don't Deny, go back and read that chapter and, and see those suggestions and see if it could work for you because you don't have to go straight to a one-hour or a two-hour eating window if you're having trouble. You know, doing the low-carb at first during the day can help your body build up those those enzymes for fat burning and make it easier to drop those meals later. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And speaking of, if listeners want a, I guess an update, I don't know if they updated that book that you spoke about, but I've talked before on the podcast about the Adrenal Reset Diet, and he actually advocates the same concept of low carb during the day and then your carbs at night for that same that same purpose. I think I already have a link to that on our website, but if not, I'll put one there. Um, so the website is ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. Jen, do you want me to put a link to that other book or no? Well, you can if you want. It's They don't even have it in um, – it's so old. They don't even have it unless they've done it recently. They don't even have it in like Kindle version. I mean it is like old. Okay. We can refer them to the Adrenal Reset Diet then because it's the same concept. It's, it's low carb – during the day and then you have your carbs at night. Yeah. And it's just, it's just so funny to read it now and all their plans and, (laughs) you know, they really overcomplicate it, but then you read it through the lens of intermittent fasting and what she did. And and that's only in the introduction where she talked about how she only ate that one meal a day. Then she's like, yeah, but don't do that. Do this instead. Then she has this whole complicated diet book when really you know, if she'd have just said, here's what I did, do this too, <laughs> we could have saved a lot of time. I mean, I, they were on Oprah. I mean, this was the 90s. I can remember oh, wow. Oprah talking to the Hellers on her show. So this is like, I'm like, I'm talking like 93 or something. It's a long time ago, but it's it's fascinating to see she was ahead of her time. And I feel like just not ready to say fasting you know, but that's what she did. She was an intermittent faster before, before it was cool or it was the thing <laughs> before it was even a thing. Exactly. But it's just funny to me how I guess it seemed so extreme. Um, but she did it. I feel like more people than we realize do it without realizing that they're doing it. Like a lot of people, especially reader feedback, listener feedback, they're like, Oh, I kind of already was doing intermittent fasting, but there wasn't, you know, a label on it. Yeah. I've heard from a lot of people who said they did this when they were younger and then they they were swayed to the breakfast is the most important meal of the day way of thinking and then they started forcing themselves to eat. And then they they suddenly gained a lot of weight. But they were like, how could this be true? I'm doing what I'm told to do. They say eat breakfast, they say eat snacks. And then finally they're like, wait, this is nuts. And then they start intermittent fasting and they're like, oh yeah, that's how I used to eat. We can really be swayed by society's rules in, instead of listening to our own bodies. We really can. All righty. So our next question comes from Rob, and the subject is what to eat, <laughs> appropriately enough. And Rob says, hi, Jen and Melanie. Just recently listened to the audiobook version of The Obesity Code, and when, and when I did some research on IF, found your podcast. I enjoy listening, so keep up the good work. I'm trying 18-6 fasting, and this is my second week trying it out. Surprisingly, I don't have a problem sticking to the six-hour window. I'm not really that hungry during the day. However, I don't see much difference on the scale. 
I weighed myself daily and found the first few days I quickly lost five pounds, but in the last week have actually put two of the five pounds back on. My question is more about what you can eat when you open your eating window. You don't talk much about the actual food you eat other than wine. I feel like we do. When I think about delay, don't deny, I think I can eat anything, including burgers, fries, pizza, cake, peanuts, etc. Is that accurate? Can you give some guidance on what you both eat and how indulgent I can be in my non-fasting window? Thanks in advance, Rob. So. And I, I love this question. Um, Me too. I first want to address just very, very quickly the, the point about him losing five pounds and then putting two, quote, back on because, um, you know, the scale is not going to be linear. The, the It's not going to go down, 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 down. So just in the first three weeks, a lot of people don't lose weight at all. And it's because like we had, we talked about earlier today, your body is still trying to adjust. So you're not really tapping effectively into your fat stores right away. So give yourself time for that. And really, if you can lose a pound a week average, then that's what you should be happy about. Of course, I know men generally lose a lot faster than women, but not always. So my recommendation, and this is in the weighing chapter of Delay, Don't Deny, if you're going to weigh, you need to weigh yourself every single day, but don't just look at that up and down, up and down. It will drive you crazy, especially women, because our weight fluctuates so very much from day to day. If you only go by day to day, you might think that you're gaining weight when really your overall trend is down. Also, that that applies to weekly weighing. Don't just weigh once a week because I have records for my weight all throughout 24. Actually, I have all of it going back to 2012 until I threw my scale away. But if you look at what my weight did from day to day, if I only weighed um, once a week, if I compared Friday to Friday weight, some Fridays my weight would be actually up over the Friday before. So it might look like I gained weight that week. But fortunately, I learned about doing weekly averaging. So I weighed every day. And then on Friday, I manually on a piece of paper found the average of my last seven weights. And I only compared the trend from week to week. And that really helped because even though my Friday weight was up, my overall trend, my average weight was down. So really make sure you're tracking the trend and not just getting caught up in ups and downs. Do you want to add anything about weight before we tackle part two? I agree. <laughs> Completely. Please please don't fixate on the scale. I wish we could just throw away all scales. You should really just go by you know, like how you feel, how your hunger is, how how your clothes fit, how your happiness is. Like the scale is just so silly. And we also really do tend to put on more muscle with IF than we do with um, a regular, you know, a normal, quote, diet, you know, where we have so many reasons that our body is better at building muscle. So your body is actually going through a lot of recomposition. So it may look like you're not losing any weight, but you're shrinking. And then there's that whole theory that seems to be true, just anecdotally of how your body, the whoosh effect, your body retains water in your fat cells, kind of like as a placeholder. And then finally it just whooshes it all out. You know, there, there are people who report they'll lose like five pounds overnight. Now, did the, did they lose five pounds of fat overnight? No, that's impossible. So clearly, you know, a lot of people associate it with they, they had to get up to go to the bathroom a bunch of times. And so then they're like, oh, well, it was water. My body was releasing it. So, so much more goes into your scale weight than just whether you're burning fat. So 
Um, let me go on to talk about, you know, eating and, and what foods. And yes, the title of my book is Delay, Don't Deny. And I do believe that when you start off, you want to change your lifestyle with intermittent fasting. So for me, I started off not changing what I was eating. Of course, I had just come off keto. So I was like, carbs, give me all the carbs. So I was like, I am absolutely not going to deny myself of anything. And I didn't. I ate so many foods that I don't even like anymore. Like I would go to McDonald's and I would order pizza. And I really did eat like probably a 12-year-old boy for the first, you know, part of my (laughs) journey. And Am I saying that is the ideal way to eat or that I recommend you eat like, you know, your teenage son? No. But I was still able to lose weight doing that. And here's the thing. People get mad when I don't say everyone must eat this impeccable diet because I still was fasting 19 hours a day. And so those 19 hours of fasting were incredibly healing for my body. And, yes, I was putting in garbage and I still got better. My body still healed. My gut microbiome got better. And then towards the end, I did start, you know, changing what I was eating, but I also was starting to crave it more. As you change your gut microbiome, fasting does that. You will start to crave healthier things. I have a um, a blog post on jenstevens.com. We'll link it. It's called Eating, You Are in Charge, and it talks about This is almost a universal thing that happens to people. People that are new to the group will post their meals, and it'll have a lot of processed food and a lot of fast food. And we don't judge. We don't say, you'd be a lot better off if you didn't eat that, whatever it is. Well, some people do judge, but we we talk to them very sternly and say, stop stop judging. Stop judging. Because almost universally, people who are eating like that find that those same foods are not attractive to them over time. Now, it took me a while to get to that point where I no longer, I mean, if I have to order what was my favorite takeout pizza before, my husband's like, do you want to eat that? I'm like, no, I refuse to eat that. I'm not eating that. I don't even like it. It's not because I'm trying to, quote, be healthy. It's that I don't like the taste of it. So, yeah, we all know that your body needs nutrients and it's going to be better to eat you know, nutritious foods, but you're making a change with intermittent fasting. You're, you're fasting for, you said, Rob, 18 hours a day. Take it slow. Yeah. Eat good foods, but eat foods that you love as well. One other thing that intermittent fasting does is it teaches you what your, your body doesn't do well with. So if you open your window with something that your body doesn't like, you're going to be like, ooh, I don't feel well when I eat that. And that will also help you make the changes. And it, your body will guide you over time to making those better choices. But, you know, you listed burgers, fries, pizza, cake, and peanuts. All right, tonight for dinner, I am making burgers. <laughs> they are actually a very healthy burger, though. It's from one of the food delivery companies that I love. And it's called the Thanksgiving Burger. And it has... um butternut squash spread on top of it. I mean, it's going to be delicious. And it has a spinach salad on the side. Um, Two nights ago, I made oven fries. I took potatoes, real potatoes. I chopped them up myself, sliced them, put them in the oven, baked them with olive oil. You know, I'm still eating burgers and fries. There's a pizza I made a few weeks ago that has Brussels sprouts on it. You know, I had cake the other day, um, peanuts. I do eat those things, but my body craves healthier versions of them. And so I'm still not denying myself of what exactly I want. I just don't want things that come out of a drive-thru anymore. So 
I didn't do it on purpose. I let it happen. So read that blog post, Eating, You're in Charge, and understand that over time, you will start wanting to eat more like a grown-up. And then when you're ready for that, read Feast Without Fear, because in that book, it talks about why these good foods are, are better for our bodies, our gut microbiome that we've talked about today. It does make a difference. What you're eating is important. So I never want anybody to get the idea that I'm saying, yeah, eat all the garbage, eat the whatever it is. But change one thing at a time instead of trying to do too much. We've all done that before. We're like, I'm going to start this new plan and I'm never going to eat anything, blah, 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 ever again. And and it's just not realistic. You don't want to um, make it feel like a diet. You want to naturally gravitate towards the foods that support health, but your body will do that naturally. So what do you think, Melanie? I love how much we're on the same page about everything. <laughs> Even though I know I'm slightly more stringent in what I personally eat. Um, I think what you said, I agree completely. Especially if you're coming from a standard American diet, just implementing fasting is going to be so healing from you. It's going to be so healing for you that you're going to see benefits, most likely even eating the pizza cake, peanuts, whatever, especially in the beginning. And then... Jen talked about this a lot, so I don't want to just go keep talking about it. But people do really – your taste buds really do change and you really do start craving nutrition because when you've you've been fasted for a while, your body intrinsically knows what nutrients it needs and it's going to crave those natural whole foods. All of that said, I do think intermittent fasting is great because it can really – help you make that change and want to go consume more whole foods and you can start to realize down the road how these processed foods do make you feel bad and then you probably will want to cut them out and so like for me example I actually I honestly do wish that I could I don't like the word cheat I don't like the word cheat just isn't it's not applicable to food in my opinion like you're not cheating you're it's food it's eating (laughs) um but part of me does wish that I could, quote, cheat. So part of me personally does wish that I could, quote, cheat more and um, I'm making air quotes cheat, cheat more and not experience the negative side effects because some people with really epic, resilient digestion and just awesomeness who eat whole foods, they can still cheat and they'll still feel relatively fine the next day. My body just sort of freaks out now. (laughs) Um, So I do have to be very um, more strict in what I eat. So for me, quote, cheats are going to be still uh, whole foods forms. I'm going to go, I'm still going to go the gluten-free route. I'm still going to go not as much sugar. And that's why it's funny. um, When I first wrote the What, When, Wine Diet, we we were talking earlier about recipes and cookbooks and food and all that. When I first wrote the book, I was like, I will never have recipes in my book because you should just eat whole foods. I didn't say this in the book, but in my head, I was thinking you should just eat whole foods. Like, why would we want to reconstruct our our cravings by creating all of these recipes and these baked goods and these all these things? But now I'm completely on board because there's fun there. (laughs) Um, I think it's an important part of culture. It's an important part of society, creating foods that, you know, baking and cooking and having desserts and all the things. And so 
with intermittent fasting, I think it's completely fine to have that and however it works for you. And for you, if you can eat, okay, I don't want to say eat conventional standard American Funfetti Pillsbury, but if you can do that here and there and feel okay and you're happier, do what makes you happy. And you just have to find what works for you and makes you happy in the long term because it's not all about the food. It's about our life. And I did – I wanted to add one more thing that I thought of while you were talking, and that is um, the idea of satiety with real foods versus processed food. That's been the most striking difference for me. Like one night I did have to order pizza, and that was the last time I decided I'm not eating this anymore. We had to order pizza because something happened to our delivery food box, and so it was the pizza I used to love – And after I ate it, it's like my body knew I didn't get the nutrients that it needed. And so for the rest of the night, I like wandered around the kitchen, like trying to fill up that part of me that hadn't gotten what it needed. So I like ate so much and like my stomach hurt at the end of the night because I ate a lot of food, Mm -hmm. but I never got the nutrients my body was looking for. So if you're constantly feeling like you need to graze and eat more and more and more, it is probably because you're not getting what you need. From your meals. Or on the flip side, you got what you needed. You're good. And then you have the refined addictive dessert, which completely short circuits all of our brains. See, that it doesn't do that to me. Are you serious? Yeah. My mind is being blown. Yep. I can just eat a little bit. No, like at Thanksgiving, I didn't even want dessert, but I could have. But I was like, yeah, I don't feel like having that. But I took home a piece of cake that my sister made. I had a bite, and I was like, "Eh." I threw it. Away. I ended up throwing the rest of it away. Jen, I am. I'm so jealous of you. I'm jealous of your digestion. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous of your brain's ability to get it. <laughs> I, I genuinely. I mean, I'm not just making this up. I, it's, it's. I know. I can see you. Yeah. <laughs> the, the truth. The truth is there. I just. I mean, I, I'd have a bite, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't love that. I don't want it. So for me, for example, I talked about like my birthday dinner, I think last week, I had a wonderful, nutritious, like seafood, mushrooms, paleo friendly awesomeness. I was good. Life was good. And they brought out a gluten free chocolate cake. And I was like, I'm just gonna have one bite. Because it's my birthday. And I had one bite. And then I was like, I must eat everything. And it, it, it it's interesting, because I hadn't really um I hadn't really experienced that in a really long time, especially not after I'd done all the research and everything. And so I was like, oh, I am experiencing all the stuff I've been researching right now. My brain is like being short-circuited and hacked. Well, see, I think that's fascinating. And it's important, I think, for listeners to hear us talk about it because it goes to show while there are no, quote, you know, food, bad foods that everyone should stay away from. They're definitely foods you should stay away from because of the way they affect you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's just important to know yourself and your triggers. Yeah. I think that's, that's so important. That's why we can't make blanket statements. That, that's why we cannot make blanket statements about what to eat because it is so different. And, and so if you ask me what I eat, it's going to be very specific and it's going to be I avoid certain things because of how they make me feel. And I'm very strict about that for me personally because I know how I react, but I'm not prescribing that for everybody. Um, you really just have to find 
what works for you. And over time, yeah. You say that But so over much. time, the foods that you like now, if, if you're eating what, you know, may be construed as a lot of junk, eventually you're going you're gonna to change. It's just, like I said, it's almost universal. I have had people send me, like, in the Facebook groups, like, really mean messages and messenger because they were, like, criticizing someone else's food. And I was like, no, we don't do that. And then they'll send me a message like, you are going to cause the world to die of metabolic problems (laughs) by letting them eat whatever they want. And I'm like, look, you don't understand. (laughs) It's not what this is it, about. It's a step at the time. Well, you know, do we want them to get mad at us and quit fasting and then just go eat like they used to eat all day long? Or do we want people to, over time, gradually build up to a healthier lifestyle? So mm-hmm. not everybody is ready to make all these changes at once, and not everybody needs to, but eventually they'll probably want to. That's the key. And you, it's a lot more powerful when you choose it for yourself instead of me saying, that's bad. Don't eat that. I mean, I mean, who who doesn't know that a, a potato chip is, you know, not a healthy choice? We all know that. So should we even tell Rob what we eat? We didn't really answer. Well, I just eat whatever I feel like eating and what sounds good to me, and that's the key. I literally eat whatever sounds good to me, but that's changed. So I deny myself of, of literally nothing. If I want to eat it, I eat it. But the things that I want to eat are different than they used to be. So that's really the the only advice I have. This worked for me. I lost, you know, most of my weight, even when I was doing those crazy diets that I talked about in my book, when I was like so much restricting calories for for part of that time. I called it Jen's famous cheeseburger diet because I would eat like one cheeseburger a night. (laughs) I mean, people that have known me for a long time in the diet world probably remember Jen's famous cheeseburger diet. I would eat one cheeseburger for dinner. It might be a Big Mac. I was going to eat that for dinner. I know. And now if you tried to give me that, I'd be like, no. But <laughs> I ate garbage. I'm trying to explain. I really, really did. But now I don't want to. Yep. Then for me, so I personally eat, I eat paleo, whole foods. So that's um, whole meat and vegetables. I try to get <laughs> organic, grass-fed, free-range, wild-caught all things, which is doable. I know it sounds intense if you don't do it, but um, once you make the adjustments and integrate it into your lifestyle and learn all the shopping methods, which I all discuss, quick plug in my uh, upcoming book, What, When, Wine. Here comes my commercial. (laughs) What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. But really, all the information is in there, and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours writing all this down. So if you are curious, I definitely recommend you pre-order that book. Um, So I eat whole foods and then fruits, vegetables. I personally, as I've talked about before, struggle with digesting certain carbohydrates and such. So I'm sort of specific in what I eat in that regards. Um, but I do love my fruits and vegetables and healthy fats. So like coconut oil, cold pressed. Um, I don't do well with olive oil actually. I am allergic to olive trees and I don't know if that's related and I've never liked olives and I've never really liked olive oil. So I think there might be a thing there, (laughs) but, um, coconut oil, things like that. And then I do avoid grains. I do avoid processed foods, refined sugar, I like honey, but it spikes my blood sugar, going on tangents now, and um, dairy makes me very mucousy. but I, if I do have dairy, it would be, for example, like grass-fed, maybe goat-derived or kefir, kefir, 
So yes, legumes. I also, I don't do legumes, but I do have like green beans and such. So that's me. And yes, wine. A few things before we end. If you would like to submit your own question for the podcast, there are two ways that you can do that. You can directly email us at questions at ifpodcast.com. You can also go to our website, ifpodcast.com, and you can submit questions there. A few things about that website, I didn't talk about it quite as much on this episode. You can get show notes for our episode. So for that, you would go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 34. And also for anything we talked about that we liked, so mostly it was books on this episode, but we have a page called ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and we have everything there that has organically come out, that has organically come up throughout our episodes. Um, So supplements, books, all the stuff. And lastly, we talked about leaving a review in iTunes at the beginning of this show, and we would really, really appreciate that if you are in iTunes, if you could leave us a very brief review, or it can be long. That'd be fun too. (laughs) Um, If if you enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate that. So, well, any final thoughts from you, Jen? No, I I think it was a great episode. Me too. Alrighty. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.